Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to more outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore, and uh, man, it has been a crazy, crazy week. Had a lot of stuff to do this week with um, Texas Fishing Game Magazine. A lot of stuff to do with Kingdom Zoo. Matter of fact, the Kingdom Zoo Wildlife Center will be open tomorrow. That will be open 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. We are a micro zoo with like 85 species of small exotics from around the world, from a big collection of arachnids to a lot of frogs and toads to, you know, a, a cotamundi to to um, a toucan. So um, a lot of cool stuff. You can check us out at KingdomZoo.com or on Facebook, Kingdom Zoo Wildlife Center, and at Kingdom Zoo on Instagram. So we'll be open 10 to 2 tomorrow, only 5 bucks minimum donation to get in. It's definitely worth the price of admission. Um, I got to fish for a little while and do a great photo shoot with Keith Combs of the Bassmaster Elite Series on Lake Conroe. Did that on Wednesday. And a really interesting conversation I had with this angler. Keith Combs is sort of a rising star in the Bassmaster Elite Series ranks. He finished second in Angler of the Year this year, right behind Gerald Swindle. And um, he, he's won at one elite event. Uh, but here's also what he's done. He has won two Toyota Texas Bass Classics, including the last one they did at Lake Fork two years ago that had a one, three-day, 111-pound bag of bass. Think, think about that. Three days, five fish limit, 15 fish for 111. Insane. I mean, just absolutely incredible. And that tournament itself... Uh, produced some of the most incredible results that uh, I've that's ever been logged in any kind of a bass tournament. Of course, you know there's not that many tournaments on Lake Fork because of the slot limit and the way they do Texas Toyota Bass Classic. It's kind of unique with the measuring and weighing the fish and all that stuff, but just an incredible deal. And I just want to get, share a few things because there's a lot of bass fishing stuff happening this year. Of course, the Bassmaster Classic coming up here. Um, Bassmaster Elite Series is going to be up on the Louisiana side of Toledo Bend. Um, we're also going to have Bass Fest. It's going to be at Sam Rayburn this year. That's a Bassmaster Elite event. And uh, the Bassmaster Central Open is going to one of the one of the three Central Open tournaments is going to happen in Orange in June on the Sabine River. So just a lot of stuff going on. Much less just all of us local folks engaged in quality bass fishing. So. I want to share some of the things that I want to talk with Mr. Combs about. Um, <coughs> excuse, me. excuse me, I've had a little bit of cold here. One of the um, interesting points was Conroe itself, because this guy's won on Conroe. He's like the favorite to win. <coughs> He's done really well on that tournament. So, um, I mean, that lake. He's really learned how to dial that place in. It's really interesting because he's a power fisherman. And that lake, in many ways calls for finesse fishing because those fish are so spooky on that lake. And we talked about Conroe as we went to various spots. In about three hours, we caught two bass. He caught both of them. Very, very slow morning. The water got really turbid. 
And he said for the last two days he had been hammering the fish on crankbaits. So I kind of thought that was interesting. He said kind of what he thinks is that lake doesn't have nearly the bass population of like a Toledo Bend or a Sam Rayburn per acre because of the lack of habitat. Because what you have at Lake Conroe is almost all man-made habitat, tire reefs and all kind of stuff like this, docks. Uh, whereas you have those same of those same things, it's like Toledo Bend, a lot of docks, for example, but you have tons of grass and all kind of timber and stuff because when they put the grass carp in that lake, it just totally wrecked all the native habitat. But there is a quality fishery. There's a lot of bass, but not at the level you have on like a Rayburn and Toledo and um, a real quality size of the fishery. But he says, do you think those fish move around that lake a lot more? He thinks it'll be like a junk fishing tournament. And that is any place you see some kind of something sticking up out of the water or whatever that time, a good shot of there being some fish on it. So that was kind of interesting. He also said he thinks that um, for sure uh, the crowds are going to be at play in that tournament because it's a small lake, only 30,000 acres. And when you factor in all the people that are on that lake on a weekend anyway in the spring, plus the classic, there's going to be a lot of follow boats. A lot of those kind of things are going to have a lot to do with that tournament as well. And um, it was just really, uh, really interesting insight to how that event's going to play out. He's expecting some big catches, and I think he's expecting to catch some big catches. The guy's got it dialed in on that lake, and uh, he's one of those anglers in the Elite Series doesn't get quite the the credit I think he needs to get. The guy's a phenomenal, phenomenal fisherman. He, he fishes my favorite lure of all time most of the time. That's a crankbait. And what did I do to get this boat? The first thing I do is bust one of his crankbaits under a bridge. Uh, the wind was pretty brutal that day, and I slapped it against the side of the bridge and busted his crankbait. So that's a real smart outdoor rider move here. Let's go with the Bass Pro and mess up a crankbait. But um, it was a fun morning. And a little bit more, we were talking about the fishery and, 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 all, and bass fisheries and how things work. He said he doesn't think that his 111 three-day record will ever be beaten um, because he said he thinks Fork was probably the only place that could be done. Um, and he said that that's probably over at Fork. Um, and uh, that was kind of a phenomenon. So he said uh, he don't think that'll be beaten, that that tournament record will ever be beaten. So that was just kind of interesting, talking about Lake Fork um, and how Fork still has a, a, a lot of good fish, but the pressure on it is just so much more. And that really is the big factor. When you look at a lot of these lakes, and we even talked about the pressure on Rayburn and Toledo Bend and, and how different the fishing would be there if there wasn't the kind of pressure that there is. You know, there's an interesting study, Texas Parks and Wildlife, uh, back in the mid-2000s, um, did a study about uh, tournament fishing. And what they did is they tagged and released tournament fish after these tournaments, and they determined, and this was really, this was really, really interesting, they, they did all these returns that they caught in tournaments as well. So they went out and they uh, log catches by recreational anglers, log catches by tournament anglers. Uh, these tagged fish, these return tagged fish, they found that in 30% of the bass population on Sam Rayburn is caught by tournament anglers every year and released. 30%. So one out of three fish on Sam Rayburn are caught not by anglers, by tournament anglers. That's not including guided trips, guides, you know, the rest of us that fish Sam Rayburn. It just shows you the immense amount of intelligent fishing pressure on that lake and all the tournaments that are on that lake, uh, having the good facilities like it does there uh, on the south end, also like the north end, a place like Castle Boykin, uh, puts a lot of pressure. 
It's uh, the biggest lake that's contiguous in Texas, um, and it's located not too far from population centers. So it gets a lot, a lot of pressure. And uh, if Rayburn just say would back off on half the pressure, it would be like a lake fork. I mean, I really do believe the habitat's always really, really good on Sam Rayburn. It's my favorite lake by far. I love Sam Rayburn. Um, Toledo Bend, of course, has been just amazing, and, and it's received an incredible amount of pressure. So fishing pressure has a lot to do with success. It really does make a big difference in success. Um, and you have to just work around it because it's something we can't do anything about. But if you go to these, like I went to a lake called Agua Milpa in 1998 in Mexico. And Agua Milpa had only been impounded five years or maybe six years at that point, five or six years. And the upper end fish there was about 10 pounds. They'd been stocked with Florida bass. And there was one outfitter on the whole lake. And there was basically no one else bass fishing. There's that one outfitter. That took a limited amount of trips. So it was very, very low pressure on a pretty good sized lake. And um, in three days, I caught over 300 bass. As a matter of fact, on one afternoon, anchored at one point, caught 100, exactly 100 bass on a Carolina rig, sitting with Mark Davis at Big Water Adventures. He didn't have that show at the time. He was just working for uh, Shakespeare and the fishing company. And he had to catch 110 because he think 120. I think anybody's going to believe. I stopped at 100 because I caught my best bass earlier that morning at nine and a half. And there were people who caught over 500 fish in the same amount of days. I shot a lot of photos, so I didn't do as much fishing as the other guys. Incredible. Just incredible to think about that. So you take a place like Rayburn that gets the kind of pressure it does. You think at that lake there was no fishing for like three years, and you come back and fish. It would be like those Mexican lakes. It really would. Those Mexico lakes would be exactly like that. So fishing pressure has a lot to do with it. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about. We talked about it some last year. We're going to talk with some of these pros because we're going to have Keith Combs on. We're going to have different pros from the Bassmaster Elite Series coming up, talking about the classic and all these things. But we don't just talk about the event when we have these guys on. We like to pick their brain on how they can, you can catch fish like they do. Because they fish all over the country. And they're very, very good at it. And um, one of the things we're going to talk about is how to work around pressure. And Mike Iconelli may be one of the best guys at that because he's so good at finesse fishing. When we had Ike on here a couple of times, he talked about all these little techniques that we don't use a whole lot in Texas. But with the amount of bass fishing pressure, I mean, there's going to be a tournament this week in a, uh, Southeast Texas uh, High School Bass Fishing Association. It's probably going to have four or 500 boats fishing in one tournament. There's probably a bunch of other little tournaments on the lake that weekend, too. That's just one on Rayburn. Tons and tons and tons of pressure. And um, it's just inevitable, but how you work around it, because pressured fish are more shy. They hang out in different areas. They react to different things. So we're going to talk some more about that kind of stuff this year. And uh, I'm really excited about that and motivated on the bass information we're getting. If you want bass fishing information, there's no other show if you'd listen to here. More out. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Outdoors, we're going to get it to you. We're going to find different stuff because I am a 25-year wildlife journalist who has a very inquisitive mind, and I want to know. And not just bass fishing, flounder fishing, speckled trout, crappie, all that stuff, wildlife, hunting, fishing. 17 years going strong here on News Talk 560 KLVI. 
But come back, we're going to shift a little bit gears and talk about wildlife. More outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. So I have a coughing fit before the first segment. Haven't coughed in like two days. So who knows? Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, talking is one of the worst things on your voice. Um, even when I was in my bands and I, I sang some, more like growled a little bit, but actually was fairly melodious. Um, I, I would actually have to be quiet and not talk so much the day before we played a show. Because talking is actually worse on your voice if you properly sing than singing is. So sometimes when I get a little bit of tickle in my throat, I get a little bit nervous about doing radio because I don't want to ever sound really terrible in the ear. So I apologize for any lack of uh, lack of quality on the, my voice part. But uh, if you'd like to join our conversation, you can call 896-KLVI. That's 896-5584 or 800-330-KLVI. Um, so... Um, Something's really been on my mind the last week, and if you read my Sunday column in the Port Arthur News and my column tomorrow in the Orange Leader, you're going to read about it. It's about the bald eagle that got killed here. There was a bald eagle shot with a shotgun that had to be euthanized and um, shot here locally in Chambers County, and uh, someone obviously purposely tried to shoot the eagle. Now, someone can make the argument, well, maybe they didn't know it was an eagle, well, all raptors are off limits, and I don't buy that. So someone out there shot America's symbol. Someone out there shot a protected species. Someone out there shot the most iconic bird in North America, and it damaged the beak and the eyes too much to, to rehab, so they had to kill the bird. That's what happened here. That is what happened. Now, that's not an isolated incident. Someone shot two whooping cranes last year that were hanging around a farm in the Nome area. Two of them shot two whooping cranes. Now, those cranes are one of the most endangered animals in the world. There's literally just hundreds of them. And um, from what I've read and ascertained, those were part of a population of cranes that had been restored in a part of Louisiana that flew over here as part of an experiment. They were trying to kind of restore some in a Louisiana population. Those guys moved over here. People had known about them. Bird watchers had watched them and stuff like that. A huge bird, the biggest bird in North America. And someone shot them, shot them dead. Sadly, these are not isolated incidents in Southeast Texas. Do you remember in 2015, the dolphin that ended up in Cal Bayou? Actually, there were two dolphins in Cal Bayou. Uh, they got so far up, and when they get into a freshwater area and stay too long, they can actually get um, a little bit um, like sick. They get sick in the head, really. And what happens is they'll start swimming in circles. They'll get disillusioned, and that's what happened. Well, someone was out bow fishing, and they shot one of the dolphins and killed it with a fishing arrow. The other dolphin survived, uh, was, I think, captured by the folks maybe at um, SeaWorld and put back out into the wild in another area. So in two years, we've had three nationally televised wildlife poaching events, unnecessary killings of animals that have nothing to do with hunting. 
These are not huntable species. These are protected by the Marine Mammal Protection Act, the National, uh, the Migrational Bird Treaty Act, and the Endangered Species Act. Very, very important. Happening all right here in a two-year span in southeast Texas. Now, no one knows yet, I don't believe, who killed the eagle or or caused the eagle to be killed. But we know that the whooping cranes and the dolphin were by teenage boys. So it got me to thinking about what's going on here. Now, let's just be honest. Southeast Texas has always had a poaching problem. Every, I'm telling you, every community pretty much in Texas has a deer population around their city. Beaumont does. You don't find them in orange. You're just now starting to see deer come back around orange. They were all poached. My, when, I, when I grew up, when I was a kid, there was a deer population that was fairly strong in West Orange, and it got wiped out. Poaching. Poaching is a huge, huge problem here. It's not a big group of people that do it, but they're very, very effective at it. And obviously, something is going wrong when we have two sets of teenagers killing threatened and protected species and maybe another. Who knows who shot the eagle? But um, there's something wrong here. What are we doing wrong in our wildlife community that this is happening right here? Now, I guarantee you, every single night, every night in southeast Texas, someone is illegally killing a deer. Guarantee it. There are illegally hunting deer. And there are a lot of nights where people are illegally going to wood wood ducks roost in a big area. People know where the roosts are. They'll go on the roost and shoot them at night on the roost. Call it roosting. It's kind of commonplace. Now, this is not hunting. There's a big difference. Poaching and hunting are not the same. If you if you listen to national or watch national news or see it on the internet, it's always like hunters did this. Well, they may be hunting, but there's a big difference between someone who is a legal hunter and obeys the laws and poaching. Hunting realizes that there are laws put in place to protect the animals, to protect the depletion of the species, especially an endangered species. So they don't go above and beyond that. They use the legal methods. Poaching is just taking for one's own self-gratification. And um, there's a big difference. So I don't consider this hunting. This is poaching. But the fact is it comes out of the hunting community. What's going What's going on here? What is happening to make this happen? Um, is it because that the hunting, quote, conservative conservation community is tired of the green movement. They, they look at anything that is green or environmental as being hippie. Anything green or environmental as being, you know, um, something to do with the, the, the political left. So maybe it's a rebellion against that. Maybe it, you know, I don't know how many people have told me jokes about eating spotted owl and um, eating um, bald eagle Jokes about it. Someone told me a joke about it about three days ago. There's a lot of jokes. But is it is there an attitude that's formed? Now, obviously, the reason someone killed a bald eagle or a dolphin or a whooping crane or two whooping cranes, as it were, um, is because they chose to. No one made them do it. They did it. They wanted to do it for whatever reason. But are there contributing factors? You know, you don't have to be someone who dresses in a polar bear suit and marches on marching about climate change to like clean water, to like clean air. I certainly don't. Uh, when I came out of uh, high school and went into college, I considered myself an environmentalist. 
And then I met people who considered themselves environmentalists and realized they were really just about the, back then. It was just what called climate change. It was like the greenhouse effect, and and um, they were really against capitalism. So I considered myself a conservationist. And um, it's it, it. But the truth is, you don't have to. You know, it's not like you're a, a liberal because you like clean water. And I'll tell you the truth. So we're coming out of China. This is an interesting story here. And the pollution was so bad. And we're a very politically conservative family. My wife's eyes are literally swollen shut because of the pollution. And she looks at me and said, thank God for liberals. And I'm, I'm dead serious she said that. And it was like, wow. But the point is, just because you want clean water, don't want endangered species wiped out, doesn't mean you're some kind of a you know an extremist. We've got to get to the point where in the outdoors and hunting community, we can go, hey – you know, protecting endangered species is good because I tell you what, the hunting community in a public relations way has has made their entire case the last 30 years that we are the defenders of wildlife populations. And then we have people that are representing us who are killing the, the, the stuff that we're saying we're defending. We've got to stop it. But I tell you something I think will go a long way. If someone out there who grew up a poacher or maybe someone who's done one of these recent acts or someone who uh, come, come up in that lifestyle and has changed of heart would come out and speak against it. Honesty carries a lot of weight. And I think an honest approach say, hey, man, I grew up doing that stuff and um, it's not good for wildlife. It weighed on my conscience. I think that would go a long way in changing the dialogue because we've got to change the dialogue right here. Because here's the good news. Ninety five percent of the people who fish and hunt here in Southeast Texas do so legally, ethically, morally. There's probably 5% out there who don't. And um, the 95% should not be looked at as, oh, they're the reason a whooping crane got shot. But if there's something we're doing in the community, attitude that we're fostering, maybe we need to change that at the young level and change some of the dialogue that we're doing. Um, I just Something's got to change because this is symptomatic. Right here, if something wrong in the outdoors community. And, um, Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. I hope they find who shot the eagle. Um, but I also hope that these people who um, you, if, do encounter those who have been involved with these kinds of acts aren't, you know, don't crucify them, you know, try to help them out, you know. Let them know that, hey, you can come back and spring a good word and help out the wildlife populations and maybe be a spokesman for um, doing the right thing. You know what I'm saying? We can have a little grace about that as well. 
Um, but we've got to do something because something is deadly wrong in a small percentage of what's going on here in the outdoors in southeast Texas. The good news is that most hunters, most fishermen are highly dedicated to conservation and, and ethical game laws. If they weren't, with the number of people here, we wouldn't have any game. They'd all be wiped out. But the 5% of what make the difference, that 5% or so, whatever, it's not a scientific number, but my guess, about 5%. If it was 90% or 50% or 30%, we wouldn't be able to hunt deer or ducks or catch the fish we do. But the fact is, other people, the vast majority, the 95%, they do the things right. They put money toward conservation. They support groups like Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl, the Coastal Conservation Association, National Wild Turkey Federation. Put money back and make me proud to be part of the sporting community. But we're going to have to make some changes here. And stop tolerating poaching any level, whether it's a white-tailed deer or whatever. Because the fact is, it puts an ugly name on our community of hunting and fishing. And also, it does a bad job of um, just stewardship of the land. You know, So those are my thoughts on that issue. And um, you know, it's something that's very, very um, – it's, it's, it's out there. It's all over the news. And the dolphin thing really hit the news big time. That deal was a, a pretty big national deal because it's such a rarity to have uh, something like that going on. And um, it's uh, a, always a really, really interesting thing to uh, see some of these things come out in the news and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, when we come back on more outdoors, we're going to talk a little bit about some wildlife conservation, some things that have been done around here historically, and some things that might be happening in the future. So catch that in just a few minutes. Welcome back to more outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. If you missed um, the whole commentary there or missed the program or just want to listen to this, we're going to share it. You can go to klvi.com and see the podcast link at the top of the page. Click on the podcast link and you'll see more outdoors and about a year's worth of podcasts. So lots of shows you can tune in and listen to from the past, and um, always good to be able to have that podcasting technology at klvi.com. And if you're out of the area, don't forget you can listen on your smartphone with the free iHeartRadio app on your smartphone or iPad. That's how I listen to KLVI, because I still listen to KLVI while I'm gone. And I love that app right there. Listen to lots of cool iHeartMedia stuff out there. And, um, you know, that commentary I just did, you're going to have a, a more in-depth version that you can read in the Port Arthur News and the Orange Leader this weekend. And uh, check that out about what's going on with the, the poaching issue in Southeast Texas. My heart is for wildlife. I love wildlife. And um, to, to see the, the damage of poaching is, is crazy. We have such incredible resources here in our area, and uh, poaching – a lack of poaching would help that. But if you go overseas, the poaching is just unbelievable. You know, we're very, very close to, to losing a couple of iconic species. I mean, we're very, very, very close to losing wild populations of rhinoceros. Um, 
is probably the animal that's the closest to seeing getting wiped out um, because they are a big target. Um, they are a um, target that draws lots of money. And what happens is the horn of the rhinoceros is um, very, very valuable. It's sold as a medicinal thing in parts of Asia. Uh, they're used sometimes as like a saber handles um, for royalty in different parts of the Middle East. Um, there's a lot of uh, underground reasons for that. And they'll come in and the poachers are getting so high tech. They're using drones. Um, there are all kinds of stuff. And they're wiping out the rhinoceros, just literally going in and wiping them out. And they're better armed than a lot of the game wardens. In fact, in most cases, the poachers are better armed than the game wardens. And it's a hard thing to sell that we should keep this rhino here when you can make X amount of money killing it. And uh, now it's even gotten into some of the terrorism groups are participating in some of the African poaching because of the levels of money that can be made. And uh, so when you have a chance to support a cause like bowling for rhinos, um, you've seen some of those things come out, do it. Or something that Safari Club International is supporting for the rhinoceros population. Because I'm telling you right now, um, they're on the brink of extinction. I mean, there's a southern white rhino. There's a black rhino. Both of those are in bad shape. And um, it, it, they could go. Now, if it wasn't for conservation measures, it wasn't for the West being involved in terms of media and putting money into those areas, I would think the rhino would probably be already wiped out, just already gone, already decimated. And um, it's a real shame because we're talking about one of the all-time iconic animals. I mean, you think of the big five of Africa. It's rhinoceros, elephant, cape, buffalo, lion, and leopard. And um, just an incredible, incredible animal. And I hope we don't see that happen. Um, it's very vital that captive populations of these animals are um, are kept in, in Texas, and I know that the Sadler family out at the YO headquarters are looking at possibly bringing rhinoceros out there to do a captive breeding program. It's because the Texas Hill Country is a great, great um, habitat for them, very similar to what they have over in Africa. And it would be a real shame to have to have the only good populations left in Texas, but it's better than none. And it's happened before. The scimitar horned aurichs was extinct in the wild, and wild game ranches in Texas were the only place any wild populations left. There are literally more scimitars left now than there are at any, in, in any place in Africa. So it's um, there's a conservation element to the hunting community that goes with some of these things. And um, although we may be far removed from what happens with the rhinoceros, I know my, my soul is not far removed from it because it would hurt if a rhino was wiped out. And um, what, a, what a bloody um, mess the poaching part is over there. I mean, they're, they're killing people. As a matter of fact, there's even places where the law is to shoot to kill for poachers because the poachers come in and kill a lot of people while they're at it. So it's a tough thing. And, if you've ever had, uh, I haven't been to Africa, but if you had the pleasure of being over there, um, support that conservation of what they're doing over there. So um, I just want to talk about that because when we talked about poaching, because I'm telling you the rhino thing is bad right now. And Texas may be the solution. We're bringing many rhinos here to try to breed and propagate here in safe environments, in these big ranches like the YO. So we got Michael in Houston, something about duck, duck hunters. What's up, Michael? You there, God Mike? bless Texas. What's up, Michael? Yeah, God bless Texas. Yes, sir. What you got? Uh, yeah, we lost uh, three duck hunters uh, just a few days ago. Uh, 
they uh, boat towed, tra- turned over in, uh, uh, when it was 20, 25 degrees out. I don't know if you heard about that or no, not. No, man, I missed that story. Where was that, in the Galveston area somewhere? Uh, was it uh, near Lake Jackson? Near Lake Jackson. Man, what a tragedy. Um, you know, the one of the bad things is, and I've caught myself, I've got caught in this before, is the best duck hunting is often in the worst weather. And um, I remember me and my cousin Frank and his friend Michael about seven or eight years ago going out where we're going to hunt on the northern tip of Sabine Lake. And we went out and a front was hitting and the wind switched as we're going under these bridges in Bridge City. And literally it, it went from flat to like white capping in seconds. I've never seen anything like that. And if we had we had been a few hundred yards further out in the open water, in the boat we were in, as that as that wind switch, we might not have made it in. So it can be very very dangerous. And here's one of the things I'm glad you called about this that people don't think about. One of the worst things to do if you're going, duck hunters wear tons and tons of clothes is to have your waders on while you're in the boat because if you fall over and you have those waders on, they fill with water, you're going to die. Yeah, we also had a. Uh a teacher that was a fisherman, uh, he was fishing, and uh, he had, that was the waders that, that killed him. That was about a month ago. You know, what happens is I went and hunted a choke canyon with my friend Sean DeSinto a few years ago, and it was really rough, and I took my waders off uh, as we were going across the water. I said, nope, not going to do it, and it was brutal, but we made it across to the spot, so it's always good to use that common sense, and sometimes we just make the mistakes. I know I've, been, I've come back to the dock from fishing many times and a couple of times duck hunting, probably only by the grace of God and the prayers were uttered. Um, we probably didn't use much common sense a few times, so it's always good to, to be careful out there. And um, all right. go ahead. All right, I had another comment for you. Go out there. Uh, that wouldn't have happened. Uh, there was about half a year ago. I was talking about those inflatable boats that the Coast Guard and the Fire Department used during yeah. floods. Yeah, with five. If they would have had, you can get those in uh, for half the price of a bass boat. On the internet, or a garage, garage sale, a green sheet. Uh, they even have inflatable uh, row bars. Yeah. If they would have had a neoprene, a neoprene vest underneath their gear, and uh, one of those inflatable boats with the row bar, or, uh, th- that wouldn't have happened. It would not have happened. Well, it's a lot of a lot of a lot of what ifs and could haves, and uh, unfortunately, well, most of us probably won't have that. But safety definitely should be. At our forefront, we should look into some of those things and that we could use at the best of our ability to be safe. So I'm breaking up. I'm got to let you go, Mike. You're breaking up on me. Thank you, sir. Um, but um, uh, safety is certainly paramount. And while we're talking about the poaching thing, that's something you shouldn't do either. Go confront poachers on your deer lease or whatever by yourself. That's what game wardens are for. They're trained for that. And you can call 1-800-792-GAME, 1-800-792-GAME, and you can report poaching anonymous and possibly get rewarded for it. It's Operation Game Thief. They paid out lots and lots of money over the years. So if you know anything about that, you can call Operation Game Thief, 1-800-792-GAME, and report poaching and make a difference in what's going on. So, um, you know, thinking about going out on a Texas ranch and having rhinos here, and um, it's pretty interesting because there's so much conservation centered here in the state of Texas. It's really a truly unique place. I call it the Texas Outdoor Nation. Totally unique place. Uh, completely different than anywhere else. And we have the ability to do a lot of things, partially because so much of our private land and wealthy people that are into conservation, um, but partly because of the incredible habitat God gave us here in the Lone Star State. And uh, we do have some pretty incredible 
wildlife habitat that's so much like Africa. People don't realize that countries like Zimbabwe and South Africa look basically like the Edwards Plateau, the Texas Hill Country. So neat, neat stuff. And these are kind of things we try to bring you here on More Outdoors. You never tuned in before. Different stuff, um, things you're probably not going to hear anywhere else about different elements of fishing, hunting, wildlife conservation, sometimes hard-hitting commentary, sometimes just that information about things you never know about, like the rhino poaching, how Texas may be end up being the savior of the rhinoceros and what's going on here. So a lot of neat stuff. We come back on more outdoors. We're going to talk about fishing. Welcome back to more outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore, and um, wow, been an interesting show tonight. Lots of stuff going on out there. We started off talking about bass fishing, the Bassmaster, all the things happening this year. Kind of uh, Keith Combs, who's the favorite for Lake Conroe because he won that Toyota Bass Classic there, has a real good history there. Uh, what he said about Conroe and the, the impact of fishing pressure on Toledo Bay and Sam Raber. We talked about the eagle poaching and the problem of poaching in our areas, reviewing some of the really ugly things that have happened uh, in the poaching realm here in the last few years and its possible solutions. We talked about the positive elements of conservation with hunting and how even the rhinoceros could be saved right here in Texas. So this is the kind of journey we typically take here on More Outdoors. And I want to remind you tomorrow the Kingdom Zoo Wildlife Center is open. 1605 Strickland and Pinehurst area, right there in Orange County. It's um, going to be five bucks uh, minimum donation to get in, and all the funds go to keep our uh, a Wild Wishes program going and other things. And we're doing our 25th Wild Wish. Wild Wishes grants exotic animal encounters for kids who have a terminal illness or loss, a parent or a sibling. And also the outreaches we do at various places with uh, kids in foster and orphans in Southeast Texas, and children with terminal illness. So I'm very excited to be open tomorrow. We've got a lot of new stuff. I'll be working to the wee hours of the morning. Uh, really, really wee hours of the morning uh, to get everything finished because we've completely revamped the place. So excited about that. And part of what we're doing is going to be collecting some change and things for wildlife conservation. And um, so we've got some different projects, ways you can help work with everything from Toucan Habitat to the black-footed ferret, which is one of my favorite animals in the entire world. So I said we we're going to end with fishing. And what I want to talk about is a little bit about what's going on with uh, winter fishing and things here. I mean, um, Combs was saying that the bass were getting ready to move up because it was so the water temp was going to be 63 that afternoon, uh, starting to move up shallow, and it wouldn't take long for some bass to start spawning. Um, those kind of elements uh, come together, and actually some of the biggest bass spawn early and get their spawning done in January and early February. But it's not just bass. If you look at what goes on with some of the different kind of migrations, things that are happening with other fish, you can get those spring patterns to come into the winter. So if you've had that period where, say, you've had a week of the temperature where it's the lows, maybe 55, um, and you're getting this few days with the highs, like so we've had 75, 78 um, you can bank on some of your spring patterns for things like speckled trout are going to be at play. And one of the things I don't like, I don't ever give out hot spots for fishing because hot spots are useless in a lot of ways. If I give out a hot spot and 20 people in your spot, it's not hot anymore, right? But if you learn patterns, if you learn exactly what they're on, you can find the same kind of positions in different parts of the system you're fishing, and then you can score on fish. So you look for that spring-like pattern to come. 
you'd go to more spring type um, conditions. But one of the differences is we typically do our fishing, let's say the middle of March up into May, that spring period, the bait fish is small but growing. It's really, really tiny now. There's bigger mullet in the system and stuff like croaker and some of those things out there. So how would you kind of match the hatch right now? Well, one of my tricks is to go use spring-type retrieves and bait fish uh, sources, but I use smaller lures. So uh, what I would do right now is if I found them little tiny, like sometimes you see the little tiny like shad will be like like raindrops in the water, little bitty tiny stuff, little minnows. I'll use a shad imitation. It's two inches long, little bitty one, instead of like the normal three to four incher. I'll downsize. I'll use a lot of curl tail grubs this time of year. They're two inches long, little bitty things. And a curl tail can kind of represent anything from a shrimp to whatever. Um, and I fish them a smaller jig head, a little 16-ounce, 8-ounce jig head, and um, I'll try to match the hatch in that realm. But what I'll do in terms of, say, matching the spring conditions is like where the fish will be feeding. So typically, if it's deeper water, they're going to be fishing where there's close to deep water, right, in the winter, and maybe move in the shallows when it's warm. But if it's already been warm for a few days, those fish are going to be scattered out more into warmer areas. Even seen situations where, like, on the Louisiana side of Sabine Lake, you've had pretty good trout fishing in the mouths of some of those bayous on the Louisiana side of the lake in the wintertime, which is, which is not that common, by the way. So if it's been warm four or five days, don't just center your efforts on like around the ship channels and stuff. That's a good place to start, but start going out other spots and looking and looking for signs of bait fish, stuff like that. Also, be looking for those slicks. A slick is where a speckled trout or a redfish, usually a trout, regurgitates the fish it just ate or the shrimp it just ate or whatever it just ate, and you see a little small oil slick come out of the water. Well, sometimes around Sabine Lake, Galveston Bay, Calcasieu can be challenging because there's so many crab traps that bait with Minhaden, which are an oily fish. If you see a small one popping up, man, that's a really good thing. I tell you what, during this um, late winter period where you have spring-like conditions, slicks can be tremendous fishing. So, um, because there's not as many bait fish out there. So when you do have bait fish activity, there tends to be a lot of fish hammering those things. So just think about spreading out fishing some of the areas you might fish in the spring. Um, You normally wouldn't fish uh, during the winter. If you're fishing around the spoils in the ship channel, for example, uh, and you're only fishing with a couple of hundred yards of that, you might want to branch out and fish even further or go up into one of the bay, uh, the bayou systems and give it a shot. Some of those things will help you out by using the smaller lures. And this time of year, I always go with stuff like natural colors in the winter in particular, like smoke color looks a lot like a shad or can be like a shrimp. Um, a kind of a, the off-white color can be really, really good. Root beer, some of those kind of colors are really good things in your lures. And I like the curl tail and small shad imitations this time of year. I mean, I use them all here, but the little bitty two-inch shad this time of year. And then something like um, uh, a little curl tail, like a two-inch. And now, you know where I buy mine? You can't find saltwater ones like this hardly at all. I go look in the crappie section. So if I'm in like Academy or Gander Mountain or someplace like that, I go look where the crappie lures are. And that's what I get. I usually buy stuff they fish for crappie looking right for um, something to do with the big trout. Or, you know, I've caught some pretty good trout on some small baits. I've caught some huge flounder on small baits. So just something to consider as we're wrapping up the show here. Um, We appreciate everyone listening tonight. And um, it's going to be a great day tomorrow out at the Kingdom Zoo Wildlife Center. And we thank you all 
uh, for listening tonight, and it's been such a fun time talking about the great outdoors. And we hope you gave some great fishing tips. Try some of those. If you got that pattern, it gets up to that 78, 75 degree mark. You're going to find some spring patterns for fishing spread out and fish in different areas. Even the mouths of some of the cuts, you should find some specks. Definitely should find some redfish, and you may even find old perilethesis lethiostigma. It's a nod to my friend Skip James, the southern flounder. A lot of holdover flounder this time of year. A lot of good stuff, and it's a great time to be alive. Go out there, enjoy that resource. Put back what you don't need. Take lots of pictures and send them to us. Celebrate what you do in the great outdoors and realize it's a gift from God to be in the great outdoors, to live in this area, and to enjoy amazing fishing, amazing hunting, amazing wildlife interaction. God bless you and have a great outdoors weekend. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.